talk about prophecy. We've been trying for six months to teach on prophecy. Actually, since August of last year. And so, uh, and I'm calling this Prophecy 101. And if you would, turn to Acts 3, verse 22. Now, we are uh, desiring have a culture of revival at River Church. And it is impossible to have a culture of revival and not have a culture of prophecy. Hallelujah. You cannot have more than just a meeting where you, uh, you know, you kind of stir things up and people get a little revved up and it lasts a few days and then it's over. But a sustained revival has got to have the supernatural in it for it to be sustained. And so that's why we need to have prophecy and a culture of prophecy in the church is because we want revival and we want it sustained. And I'm going to give you some other things about that in a little bit. But Acts 3.22, For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Now I'm just reading all that to read this. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Now look at this. Verse 25. Ye are the children of the prophets. And of the covenant which God made with Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. So Paul said, we are the children through Abraham. We are the children of the prophets. And the, the children of the prophets have the same inheritance. In other words, we have heritage. We have heritage to, 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 to minister and to, to prophesy on. Turn, turn to John fourteen twelve, a scripture you know very well. John fourteen twelve. we've read this a lot, but I don't know about you, I never applied it this way. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Well, we know Jesus was a prophet, and that he called himself a prophet, and we know that he also prophesied and operated in the gifts of the Spirit. And so uh, he said greater works than he did. Sometimes I think we just apply that to healing and miracles. But we've, but if, we, if he did the works of prophecy and he did the works of the gifts of the Spirit, then we're going to do those works too. Hallelujah. So I'm excited about that. So we're going to go over tonight of the purpose of prophecy. Eric taught us last week, and I might touch on some things he said, but uh, mostly I'm going to go, and because just in one night, he could only cover so much, but I'm going to go beyond what he said. But if I touch on it, will be good review for you. So the purpose of prophecy, number one, is looking for treasure. When we prophesy to people, we're looking for the treasure in their lives. And price, the price of something, always determines its value. And Jesus paid a great price for all of mankind, so it must mean that man has great value to God. And prophecy calls out that treasure, and prophecy, therefore, calling out the treasure, restores holiness to the church. 
because when you call out the treasure, you're not calling out the bad things they did. You're calling out the good. Hallelujah. And that gives people that gives people courage to rise up over the other stuff and gets them back into a place of holiness. Hallelujah. Number two, and he talked about this, prophecy is looking for gold in the midst of dirt. You know, it doesn't take a prophet to see the, 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 the sin in sinners. It doesn't take a prophet to see the junk in Christians' lives. Even the unsaved see the junk in our lives, don't they? Hallelujah. Sometimes they even call that out to us and make, make that known to us. But, uh, but it does take the eyes of God to see gold in broken people. Jesus uh, talked to Simon in John 1. And you, if you remember this, Jesus saw the gold in Simon. And he said in John 1, he said, And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. So he looked down and he saw the gold. Hallelujah. In Simon. Simon actually means, his name actually means broken reed. One thing you might know, and I don't know if Eric brought this out or not. He may have, but every gold mine has more dirt than gold. There's, In fact, there's a lot more dirt than gold in a gold mine. So we're not to be put off by the fact that somebody's life looks a wreck. But we are to, by the help of the Holy Ghost, and sometimes it does take the Holy Ghost. If you don't believe so, you can practice this. You can sit around, think of somebody who maybe you're not too fond of, and ask the Holy Spirit to show you the gold in their life. And I know I practiced this one time, and I, I sat there and sat there and sat there because it took me a while to get past everything I had been focused on, which was negative. It's really easy when somebody's giving us trouble at work or wherever to get really focused on the negative and think they don't have a good bone in their body. But <laughs> you know what? But there is gold in every person. It just takes the Holy Spirit to see it. Number three, uh, prophecy discloses the secrets of men's hearts. Go to 1 Corinthians. And Eric talked about uh, being afraid Uh when he was a child and we would have people into the church afraid of what the prophet might say to him. Hallelujah. First Corinthians 14. And I know people that have, uh, uh, I actually, we actually had a man in our church in Seminole that told, uh, told me and pastor, he said, I thought y'all, I thought Miss Debbie could see every, everything I had ever done. Hallelujah. And he had been a hell's angel and, and different things. But I'm telling you what, God knew what he was doing. He is gold. He is gold even right now. He really is. He turned out, he turned out for the gold. And some of the people that have come into our church through the years that I was like, uh-uh, no way. It was like that would end up being the best ones. And the ones that come in and you think, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, the lady in Seminole that came in and told me and pastor said, you preach just like John Osteen. It's like Duck Dynasty says, she gone. Because <laughs> people like that just don't stay, and I can't tell you why. But a lot of times people that come in that really rough, 
got lots of problems. I know the man that was the hell's angel that thought we could see everything. He, him and his girlfriend were living together, and Pastor, he, they wanted Pastor to marry him. And I don't know if he'd, we'd do it this way now. We'd probably just say, get up here, we'll marry you. <laughs> but, but then Michael made a move apart for six weeks and live apart for six weeks. And somebody in the church loaned him a little travel trailer. And, and the wife was like six foot tall or two, six two. Her feet hung off the bed in the travel trailer because it's one of them little bitty travel trailers. But she stayed there for six weeks. <laughs> Hallelujah. We'd probably just say, come up here right now after church, we'll marry you. <laughs> <laughs> now but that was that was then and this is now but anyway so looking for gold in the midst of dirt but disclosing the secrets of men's heart first corinthians 14 verse 24 says but if all prophesy and there come in one that believeth not or one unlearned he is convinced of all, he is judged of all, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. Uh, I want to point out here that I don't think that this is calling out their sin. I believe this is the secrets of who God made them to be. Because... It doesn't say he fell down on his face and repented. It says he fell down on his face and worshipped. Amen. And so uh, most people are very aware of their sin and of their shortcomings. But what they don't know is how, how great God has made them and what God has called them to do. And uh, when we tell someone who, who God wants them to be or who God's called them to be, uh, it is a demonstration of the supernatural power of God to them. And the more specific and accurate we can be. And we need to keep praying and practicing and not being afraid of failure because uh, the more accurate and specific we are. Um, hallelujah. So it, it discloses the secrets of men's heart. The prophetic ministry, number four, can change people's hearts. And we find that in 1 Samuel 9, 21. People need help. You know what? 1 Samuel 9, 21, way over, talking about Saul. And this is a scripture we've often quoted and prayed. It's, but anyway, in 1 Samuel 9, 21, and Saul answered and said, Am not I? Now, David had just called him out to be king. And Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjaminite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Wherefore then speakest thou so to me? In other words, he, his self-image was, uh, he, he suffered from low self-esteem or a low self-image. But if you go down to 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 5, it says, after thou that thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines, and it shall come to pass when thou art come thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery and a tabray and a pipe and a harp and before them, and they shall prophesy, and the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and thou shalt be turned into another man. And so when prophecy came... Uh, Saul was turned into another man. In other words, that's what it took to get the low self-esteem out so that he could be the man God had called him to be. Number five, prophecy, 
the purpose of prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. And we read this last week in Firestarters, 1 Corinthians 14.3, says, He that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. And that edification means to build up. And we know exhortation, uh, exhortation is to encourage, or you could say to call up, to encourage, to call up higher. And comfort is to cheer up. Edification, exhortation, and comfort, to build up, to call up, to cheer up. And this is not just human encouragement. This is divine encouragement. This is hearing from God and speaking what He is saying. And so it's divine. It carries a it carries a revelation with it. It's not everything's going to be okay, you know. Or and or it's not. Well, my my mom had that and she got over it in a week. Even though that might be encouraging, that's not divine encouragement. <laughs> Hallelujah. And usually you hear the opposite of that. Well, you know, it turned into triple pneumonia <laughs> or something like that. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, they always kind of exaggerate it, make it bigger. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Prophecy includes word of knowledge. You may not have ever thought about this. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, and also includes tongues and interpretation of tongues. Now, let me explain that. Although you know, prophecy is one of the nine gifts of the Spirit. Uh, and, and we've talked about this before, how it's very hard to determine whether you prophesied or you gave a word of knowledge, you know, and sometimes it's both and it's overlapping. But really, all of those gifts are included in what the spirit of prophecy is all about. Brother Hagen used to say that word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits were the revelation gifts. And that prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues were the utterance gifts. But really, we know that tongues and interpretation of tongues is, uh, in, is, is the same as prophecy, the Bible says. In other words, tongues and interpretation of tongues will edify, exhort, and it will comfort. Hallelujah. And so it's equal to prophecy when you interpret a tongue. It's, it makes it equal to prophecy. So w word of knowledge and, and word of wisdom, hallelujah, are revelation. And so is prophecy, is revelation, calling out the gold in someone. Something, something God shows you, something you see, something you hear by the still small voice or get a little picture of. But it all kind of overlaps, and so it's all kind of contained, if, if we could say so, under that culture of prophecy that we're so that we are trying to um, get flowing in River Church. There's three ministries of the prophetic. Hallelujah! There's the prophetic culture that we're after, and the prophetic culture occurs when there's a high level of prophetic anointing. Because people have prayed and embraced it and sought it and practiced it. And so a high level of prophetic anointing is present in the atmosphere of a church or a group of ministers. Or a group of ministries, I should say. So it could be a group of churches or a group of ministries. And in this atmosphere, 
nearly anyone can prophesy. Somebody said a donkey could prophesy in that atmosphere. It is very possible for someone to come in from the outside who maybe has not flowed in prophecy that much, but come into an atmosphere where the culture of prophecy has been developed, and then they, uh, they minister out of someone else's anointing. You know, if you, if, if you, like Brother Copeland, he started, and he started by traveling, flying Oral Roberts' airplane, and then ministering in uh, the, uh, where the, he would send him in there to minister in the rooms where they put people and everything. I don't know exactly, but he was not ministering under his own anointing, he was ministering under other Brother Roberts' anointing. Okay, now now he doesn't minister under Brother Roberts's anointing. He ministers under his own anointing. But I, have you ever noticed Brother Copeland doesn't usually minister healing? Glory is the one that ministers healing. As, as a general rule, I'm not saying he couldn't, but that just doesn't seem to be his emphasis. And so, uh, so this in in this prophetic culture. In other words, it's just talking about having an atmosphere where the prophetic thrives where revelation thrives, where word of knowledge is just common, where uh, it's just common for for prophecy and a word to come forth. Um, then there's the prophetic office, and that's Ephesians 4.11. We know that. That's a familiar, that God gave gifts unto men, first uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and, pastor and teacher. Um we're not really going to teach on the office right now because we're we're going after the prophetic culture. But this, uh, the prophetic office, are called by God. There's not anything you don't need to pray for it because God chooses it. And if, I believe it. If you were called to be a prophet, you were chose before the foundation of the earth, and God's going to get that information to you. Hallelujah. But that doesn't mean, we will just say this, that you that people that are called to be prophets, they still have to be trained. They have to, have to tra be trained. They have to be equipped. They have to be proven. They have to practice. They have to engage that, don't they? Um, Brother Hagen used to say, and I think this is you pretty much can count on this, you'll always be a five-fold teacher or a pastor before you're a prophet. Hallelujah. You operate in the, as a teacher or pastor. In other words, people called to prophecy don't just stand up and prophesy all the time. They also teach the Word. They also uh, sometimes pastor churches. They don't usually, even people that we know that are I would consider to be prophets, they go around, they teach the Word, and then they, they prophesy too. And, but the prophetic office is the highest level of prophetic ministry. And then there are just people that are prophetic people. And they're not, they're not prophets, but they operate in Holy Spirit's gifts at a high level. They said, uh, I, I brought this book to show you, and I would encourage you, if you're very, very interested in this topic, to buy this book, because I think it was the best I'd ever read, called You May All Prophesy by Steve Thompson. We had to read it for our class on the revival cultures. And uh, he said that in his church, he has over 500 people trained to minister prophetically. And that they are not uh, prophets. They're just lay people trained to minister prophetically, trained in the prophetic. And, you know, when you're trained in the prophetic, that involves being in prayer, in prayer ministry, in healing ministry. Hallelujah. And those that desire to minister in the prophetic in a church need to be uh, 
in strong relationship with church leadership. Hallelujah. It is impossible to sustain revival. I said this a while ago, but I'll go. I'll say it again. To sustain revival, to have thriving prayer ministry, or to have a successful healing ministry without some degree of prophetic ministry. In other words, we got to hear God's voice. We got to be able to hear God if we're going to be uh, proficient at ministering healing. We've got to hear and understand. We've got to be able to see. Otherwise. And this is how we started out. We didn't know anything, but we just laid hands on the sick and, you know. But we're going to get a lot better results if we can hear God, if we can uh, be in, tr teach ourselves to be prophetic. I would start out, and this is how I started out, right when I got filled with the Spirit in 1980, started asking the Lord, Lord, make me sensitive to your Spirit. I didn't even know what I was praying, but I asked the Lord, Lord, I want to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. And so you just start with that prayer and then, you know, and then begin to pray about the gifts of the Spirit. Begin to take a risk as you've been taught in uh, uh, fire starters. Hallelujah. Just start out, Pastor, Was we were talking last week at our table. Just start out with one little, I mean, if you have to, just start by faith. You know, you starting by faith would be like having nothing and saying, would you mind if I just told you what I feel like the Lord is saying about you? Well, then you're on the spot. You've got you to believe God and you've got to go down and you've got to see, you know, what's God saying here? Hallelujah. Praise God. And practice at home. I got a word for Laquina last week, but you know, I got it. I didn't even know I was going to be at the table with her or anything. I didn't know what we were going to do. I really didn't even know the lesson was on prophecy because I hadn't looked at it. And, uh, and at home the week before, I was meditating on, I was meditating on teaching this. And I just said, I'm going to practice prophesying. And so I thought, who can I prophesy to? And, in the church. And so I thought, okay, I'll prophesy to Laquina. Now I'm home by myself. And I just started. And then all of a sudden, I saw something. And so I just prophesied that to Laquina at home and didn't really think I'd ever get, get to her because I thought I was practicing. But then as it turned out, Eric said, well, now y'all do this. And so we did it. Okay. So you can practice at home too. And sometimes um, you will end up Actually, you'll end up sometimes getting to use those things that you thought you were just practicing. I believe that happens to me, has happened to me before. Okay, so we need to be able to hear God's voice if we're going to uh, be developed in the prayer ministry, the healing ministry, and so forth, deliverance ministry. Wouldn't you think it'd be good to be good at hearing God's voice, discerning of spirits, and uh, hallelujah? Praise God. And you're going to have to really believe there's gold in people. If they're flopping and flipping in the floor because the devil's got a hold of them, you you got to believe there's gold to just keep pressing in and going, don't you? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Even to know the next steps to take in our own lives, it's, it's important that we be prophetic people and uh, have divine revelation. Prophecy is not a award or a reward. It is, we get it by asking. 
It's not like, well, you've been really good. I'm going to award you with this. Or you've studied a lot or you've prayed a lot. I'm going to award you with this. It's not like that. We get it by asking. 1 Corinthians 14, 1. It says, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. Now, he says to desire spiritual gifts and rather that ye may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God, for no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. So um, we are to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. That, that actually means in the Greek to lust after. So this is extremely strong desire towards spiritual gifts. God wants us to pursue the gifts of the Spirit. So we pursue them in prayer. We pursue them by practicing. We pursue them by meditating on them. We pursue them by esteeming them very highly in the church. You know, why would God give you prophecy if we don't even write down the prophecies we get when a prophet comes through? Because that you're not esteeming that gift. But if you write it down, that's esteeming it. And so he would be... And he wants to give those things to you to help other people. Um, hallelujah. People that are very highly, highly uh, gifted in prophecy, and by that I mean they, they have developed it highly. They've developed it to a high place. Hallelujah. May not even be mature Christians may not have developed Christian character. And sometimes this throws us in the body of Christ. The fruit of the Spirit is developed as we mature, but some people just get born again and they're already pretty highly developed at hearing God. Let me give you an example. Is people that come up in new age, they're already looking out there in the spirit realm all the time by the wrong spirit, trying to see the wrong things, but they do know how to access the spirit realm. And some people just seem to also know how to do this, you know, where some of us struggle with getting out of our head and into the spirit. And so, uh, but that does not mean that they have matured and developed the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is developed as we mature. The Greek word for gift is charisma, a gift, a favor that one receives without any merit of its own. Hallelujah. So we do not earn these by good behaviors, what I'm trying to teach you here. We do not, um, so someone could be, maybe have not a doctrine we don't agree with, but be very highly developed in the gift of prophecy. Might even have bad doctrine. I don't know. Uh, concerning some area. But but be highly developed. Maybe their life isn't. You know. We tend to want people's lives. 100% straightened out in every area. Before we think God would use them. Hallelujah. We'll talk about that more later too. Um. But one thing that's really one important reason to have the supernatural gifts of the Spirit in a church is because the gifts of the Spirit help us to mature. They help us to get past those weaknesses, to get past that 
that uh, poor self-image, that they help us to get past those things and say, well, God sees something in me and to rise up above and to start living uh, in better ways. They, the, somebody gives you a gift of the Spirit and encourages, to, encourages you to seek God. It encourages you to pray. You just are, hallelujah, you don't, it brings hope back where there's hopeless situations. And so it, it's, a, it's a really help in causing people to mature. So the fruit of the Spirit is evidence of maturity in our lives. And it grows as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. The primary purpose of prophecy is not to direct or correct. And uh, right last week, Eric said, we'll just leave that to the five-fold ministry or to the, you know, to, to direct or correct. And another, the purpose of prophecy is not to be, we want to be specific, we want to be able to see where word of knowledge and things concerns, but we just need to draw a line right now and say, we don't prophesy babies, we don't prophesy husbands in, we don't prophesy uh, dates, we don't prophesy this is the one, anything in those areas, we're getting out of our, you know, our safe, our safe zone. And uh, it's just not wisdom uh, you can mess somebody's life up if you miss it. And we don't want to give prophecies that will mess up people's life if we miss it. And it's really hard when you know people to not be soulishly involved. Hallelujah. And like you said, now a fivefold prophet might do that. I know a prophet when asked us if we wanted to know uh, we, I was pregnant wanted to know what our child was. Of course, we didn't let him, we didn't try to find out whether he was a false prophet or not. We told him. We answered the question before he could answer it. And so that, and we were wrong, and he was, he may have been right. We, he never told us I was right, y'all were wrong. He was a gentleman, wasn't he? Anyway, but uh, hallelujah. But I, but God was right. I tell you what, God was right. Eric's been, we said, we thought he was a girl, but. Eric's been the biggest blessing that ever could have been to uh, parents. Uh, hallelujah. <laughs> I wasn't cut out for any drama, so <laughs> hallelujah couldn't have a girl. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, so, um, but I know we just don't need to prophesy those things. Um. <laughs> The goal of prophecy is to bring out the best in people. And if we see something negative in people, we can always prophesy the answer. Because, because it, people need grace to solve their problems. And if we sense a problem, we can release grace. For example, if you see sin in somebody's life, you, maybe God will lead you to prophesy that God is calling you to a new level of purity. And he's releasing grace to you right now. And, you know, hallelujah, everybody already knows their sin anyway. I don't think you have, to, you have to call it out. And God has very subtle ways of calling out the sin in our life without embarrassing us. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, I have. I've noticed I've been just reading a book and went, oh, God, I need to repent. You know, or I've been listening to somebody preach and just like, oh, I, I do that. I do what you're saying. I've got to repent, you know. And God has subtle ways of getting us that information, especially if we're open. Uh, 
Now, I wouldn't say that God, I believe God, when it comes to going to heaven or hell, God will go to drastic measures. And he knows what's ahead. And I've heard of people that somebody went to them and they, a week later, they were gone. So we're not going to discount that, but that's not what we're, that's not going to be our emphasis as far as putting a culture of prophecy in the church. Anyone saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit can minister in the gifts of the Spirit. So that brings us to the question, can someone not baptized in the Holy Spirit be used in the gifts? And I say probably. Because, But I, I really too truly believe if you want an overflow of being used in the gifts, you're going to have, a, have an overflow of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because um, then the more of the overflow of the Spirit you have, the more gifts are going to flow. But I believe in a pinch, God uses, and there's lots of Baptists that don't have any more than just salvation, that they have revelation, they have, you know, God shows them things, they... They hear the voice of the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice. And so they do. The only thing, problem with that is most Baptists aren't even believing for the gifts of the Holy Spirit because they have cessation theology that they ceased either with when the Bible was canonized or gifts ceased when the last apostle died. They either believe it one or two ways, and so they don't believe there be any such thing as the gifts of the Spirit. So they're not believing for them. So for God to give them a gift of the Spirit, he has to kind of sneak up on them from behind. And, and you know, they're just not calling it word of knowledge. Or, and a lot of times, Baptists will explain away prophecy as preaching, inspired preaching. And certainly, there can be a touch of prophecy to preaching. There can, there can be a prophetic side to preaching. There can be a revelation side to preaching. But it's not limited to that, of course. Okay, so uh, praise God. So we need to be filled with the Spirit. The gifts belong to the Holy Spirit. They're His Spirit. They're the Spirit, the, the gifts of the Spirit. They belong to the Holy Spirit. So uh, because they belong to Him, that means they're in us and on us and overflowing out of us. So we don't just have one gift. We have whichever one we need for that time. Because we have the whole Holy Spirit. We have all the gifts of the Spirit in us. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 14.31. Amen. Hallelujah. Pastor.